We all have a story. Now, sometimes stories put wind in our sails, and other times stories, depending on how you tell them and what you remember, sometimes they absolutely suck the life out of us. And that's what I want to talk to you about today, because in the last episode, I encouraged you to learn to tell yourself a different story with a better ending, because I, I'm learning anyway, the power of storytelling in my own life. And so I've decided that it's time to tell you my story about the last couple of years in the life, my life. And the reason I really want to share my journey is because I just know way too many people who struggle with their situation and their circumstance. They feel trapped. They feel stuck. And they really don't know that there are better days ahead of them, or they don't even believe that it's a possibility. So I'm not telling you my story for sympathy. I'm not seeking attention. I don't need like a pity party. My goal, as in most of my episodes, is to help you not feel alone and to know you're not alone. And I really worked hard to say that almost every time. Now, regardless of how bad your story might feel at this moment, you have the ability to change your life through the stories you choose to tell yourself. Now, that might sound too good to be true, but it's, it's not. It's not at all. This is going to be the third time I've recorded this story. And I really hope that I nail it this time because the last couple I've sent to my producer and they said, that's not it. It's a better story than that. And so redo it. And um, boy, I hope I nail it because I think someone needs to hear it. Now, let me start by just telling you about this morning. This morning, I am packing a bag to go on an overseas trip tomorrow. In the midst of the packing the bag, I put the normal stuff in. I put in my passport, electronic adapters, voltage adapters, all kinds of things that I know I'm going to need. And then I come to the vaccination card. Now, I've never packed a vaccination card, but I can't enter the country without it. And then I pack something that beyond my imagination, even more than a vaccination card, I never thought would be a travel essential for me. Three discs, one MRI with contrast, an MRI without contrast, and a CAT scan, all of my brain all with the images of my brain. Now, with that as the backdrop, let me let me take you back to May of 2020 when my life took a major shift. I was getting to the point after a 30-year career where it was time to do something different. I just knew that I wanted to pivot and expand my audience to talk about something different. Obviously, that's authenticity and the issue of aloneness. At the same time, in that month of May, I began having this pain. Now, I'm not talking about like a headache. I'm talking about a pain that I've never experienced. And I know, I know pain. I've had five discs repaired. In my back, I've lived with chronic pain. 
And so skeletal pain, muscular pain, surgical pain, I get it. I get it. This was not like a pain I've ever experienced in my life. It felt like someone was stabbing me in the side of the head with like a pitchfork or a knife or a cattle prod. It was debilitating. Sometimes it would last for a minute and a half without any warning, with no trigger that I could determine. Sometimes it would last for an hour and a half, and it would just ruin you. And it would happen multiple times a day. It would happen for days and weeks, and then eventually months at a time with no real answers. Despite going to my general practitioner and a couple of ENTs and these MRIs and CAT scans and ultrasound and you name it of this whole region of my head, which began in my left ear and down my jaw and into my tongue and in my neck and then behind my throat. And so to a depth that I couldn't even tell a doctor, like, here's where it, here's where it is. So we escalate it because no one has an answer for it. And we go to the first neurosurgeon who refers me to the next neurosurgeon and then to another neurosurgeon and to another neurosurgeon. And I'm sure I'm missing a neurosurgeon or two in there, but none of these neurosurgeons or neurologists can really begin to say, this is what it is. It's a mystery. It's a mystery that we're living with that is taking away all the quality of life. So this sabbatical that I'm supposed to be on, which is supposed to be restful and peaceful and rejuvenating, is not, is not in any sense of the idea. About September, see, we've just fast forwarded May, June, July, August, September, In September, my general practitioner says, okay, listen, I want to start over. I want to take all the film and all the images we've taken, and um, I want to send them to a new radiologist to get like a whole nother opinion with somebody who doesn't know anything, who's not seen anything. And so the response came back three or four days later where the radiologist basically said this, I don't know what you're all looking at trying to discover his pain. I can't find anything remarkable in his like his images that would tell me what that is. But has anybody noticed that he has a huge brain aneurysm? Now that'll get your attention. I don't know much about brain aneurysms. I guess I didn't then. I kind of do now. I know that they come in like three sizes, like, you know, like ice cream, three flavors, chocolate, vanilla, strawberry. These come in three sizes, small, large. We just skip medium for some reason and huge. Now, people who know me aren't shocked because I'm going to like skip to the front of the line. And if we're going to do it, we're going to do it big, right? Go big or go home. We're just not going to pussyfoot around. We are going to go to huge. I have a huge brain aneurysm in the intracranial carotid artery. That's the that's the like the vessel that carries like the majority, if not all the blood to your brain. Now, I wish I could tell you that the aneurysm and the the nerve pain are related. 
<laughs> they're not. I'm not lucky enough to have that happen. So I don't have a health crisis going on. I kind of have health crises going on. I've got two things unrelated that we're trying to navigate. Along the way, we are lucky enough or blessed enough to end up at a neurosurgeon who is considered one of the top surgeons in the United States, who looks at my images and says, your aneurysm is not normal. And he tells my wife, 50% of all aneurysms are survivable. 80% of the people who survive a ruptured aneurysm do just fine. 20% may have some ongoing issues for the rest of their life they have to manage. Your husband's aneurysm is not that which is amazing because I was starting to feel like I had like hope, like the odds were in my favor. He said, Cindy, if your husband's aneurysm ruptures, he'll die. Now, that's not an exaggeration. That is a quote. If Tim's aneurysm ruptures, he'll die. And he turns his attention to me now in the appointment and says, I need to do some further testing. I need to look at the direction that this aneurysm is facing. I'm 97% sure that I know exactly what it is. There's a 3% chance that I'm wrong, but probably not. So we need to do an angiogram. But before you come back in, you need to have your advanced directives in order. You need to get all your affairs in order. I suggest you sit down with the people you love and you tell them exactly what is going on. So we return. Like he said, like, we'll schedule it for two weeks. And my first response is, two weeks? What about tomorrow? What is wrong with tomorrow, not two weeks? And so we go in, we get the appointment scheduled, and they, like, they drill this hole. They, 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 they insert, like, this line into my wrist. And they're going to go through my wrist and then up the main vein and then through my heart and then up my neck and into my brain and, you know, with dye and a camera and they're going to figure out what is going on. And so as I'm laying there, just getting ready to go into a twilight anesthesia, the nurse walks in and goes, oh, we have to stop because the doctor's been called away to a brain bleed that's being flown in from an accident. And I'm going, oh, I feel sorry for the person on the helicopter, but oh my gosh, we've been here for like three hours. And so they pull all the pick lines and everything out and they send me home and they said, we'll see you in like two weeks. And my first response is, what's wrong with tomorrow? I mean, this is a serious deal. I was told that like if it ruptures, I'm going to die. And so we come back in two weeks. And they go through the entire test and they come back and say, the 3% chance that this was a little slightly different is what it is. It's not life-threatening at the moment, but it's still there. Now, this is the same doctor who also looked at my pain and looked at the film and said, oh, and by the way, that is glossopharyngeal neuralgia. Now, that's a mouthful to say. It took me a while to learn how to pronounce it. And one in two million people have it. 
unless you have mine, because I don't do things halfway, because if it's unilateral, I mean, it's just one side of your head, one in two million people have it. Mine happens to be bilateral, so one in four million people have it. Like I told you, I don't screw around. Go big or go home. And so we've got to figure out how to treat that. And I asked my surgeon, like, what do we do for the glossopharyngeal neuralgia? He goes, I'm a surgeon. I don't fix that. You have to go someplace else for that. Goodness. Okay. So now we have a full-time neurosurgeon and a full-time neurologist. And in the meantime, we still have an aneurysm and we still have pain every day, multiple times a day. Pain that is so debilitating, I can't think, I can't focus, I can't work. Life has become unbearable. It's now November. And we're going back for updates. And the neurosurgeon says, we're going to monitor it for a while because the risk of surgery, if it goes wrong, is catastrophic. And the percentage of chance of it going wrong is not minimal. It's possibly not worth the risk. So we're living with that. We're trying to live with that. And then as we go to the neurologist who says in 30 years, I've only treated this a couple of times, but there's there's some options. It's kind of like the aneurysm. It's going to require a craniotomy, drilling a hole in my head. So that's two holes if we do the surgery. But the risk, if it goes wrong, is catastrophic. So what's the other option, Doc? And he said, well, there's something we call gamma knife radiation. Oh, by the way, if we do a craniotomy, it's not guaranteed that it's going to work. It's like experimental because they don't know what causes this neuralgia, nor do they exactly know how to fix it, but they can try. I don't want try. I want do. I want done. If we don't do the craniotomy, we can do this gamma knife radiation. I said, what's the percentage chance of that working? He goes, we don't know if it'll work or not because we don't know why it works sometimes and why it doesn't. Okay, <laughs> I don't know that that sounds like the best elective option for me. What's the next option? He said, well, the next option is we need to try you on a regimen of medication. So what kind of medication is it? And he explains it to me. I said, will it work? He goes, we don't know. We have no idea whether it works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Well, let's 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 try it. So about February now, we are going to attempt some medication to do something about the pain, which is now nine months since we've discovered it. And at the same time, just so you don't forget, there's an aneurysm or a ticking time bomb in my brain that we are just monitoring. In all this time, I really can't work. I'm not making that up. I really can't work mentally. I'm a, I'm a wreck emotionally. Pain-wise, I am a, a wreck physically. But my wife keeps a five-year journal. And in this five-year journal, in the last couple of weeks, we've been we've been reviewing it to kind of see like our whole journey 
along this way, and so she was reading it to me a few days ago. Tim is very weepy today. Tim is very depressed today. Tim is foggy today. Lots of tears today. That's like before, during, and after the medication we tried. And so we've begun a dosage, and then we titrate up to the next dosage, and we titrate up to the next dosage to get to a point where the dosage is strong enough to actually make a difference with the pain. And in the midst of that, while the pain was being diminished just about 20 to 30%, which was not enough, I told my wife, I said, I will not swallow another one of those pills. I cannot live this way. And if you've ever lived with severe depression, you know what I'm talking about. If you've not lived with severe depression, I hope to God you never have to. But maybe you can understand people who are depressed while their life is such a wreck. I can. People who live in chronic pain while their life is such a wreck. I can. The empathy and understanding that I have today is so much more than it was a couple of years ago, and I thought I already had a good handle on people's emotional pain. Let me just jump to ahead. We switched meds. We titrated down, and then we started titrating back up on another medication. And the fogginess was there, and the depression was there, and the tears were there, and the weepiness there just was not there to the same level. And the pain was going away slowly but surely where we're down to 50% and then 60% and 70% less pain. In about May, I felt functional. I felt like maybe I could accomplish something. I'm only a year and a half into like this career shift and have done nothing, which is a whole nother level for depression and discouragement. Oh, I didn't tell you that at the same time in May that I'm getting relief from my pain, my leg broke. Now, when I say my leg broke, I didn't break my leg. My leg broke, which is ironic because two years before that, just before the facial pain and the neck pain, my other leg broke because I've got malformations in both of my legs. And so my legs broke and it's going to take another six months to heal a leg. And so just about the time we're coming out of one crisis, we just added another crisis. And so now we've got three health crises and I can't make this crap up. Talk about hijacking my life through my health. Now listen, here's what I want to tell you. Fast forward today, I'm doing okay. I met with my neurologist a couple of months ago and he looked at everything and said, it's not growing, it's not moving, it's doing nothing. And so Tim, if it were my brain, I'll tell you what I told you months ago, live your life, live every day to its fullest. Now my pain, is it under control? 95% of the time my pain is under control. Is the aneurysm still there? Yeah, it's there. They'll continue to monitor it. I'll continue to take the meds. I've got the depression under control. And so it's better. It's better than I can imagine compared to what I was going through. Here's what I know. Here's what I know that I I want to begin to 
take my story and apply it to things that are applicable to you today. I have a story that actually gives me even more understanding, like I said, of people's issues, and that's empathy. I am going to be better today than I ever was at helping people navigate a life of authenticity and the loneliness they face. And that's the story that I wake up every day and I tell myself when I create resources, when I produce podcasts, when I write a new blog, when I travel and speak, because I don't have cancer. I'm not going through chemotherapy. I haven't lost a loved one. I still have a way to make a living. Yes, I do have two incurable conditions, but I woke up this morning and I am making the most of every day. I am making memories. Now, I don't know what crisis or crises that you might be going through today or someone you know is going through today. So regardless of what it is for you, I know it feels major. Regardless of its health, relational, financial, I know that whatever you're going through feels major, and I'm sorry that you're going through it. I know it's difficult. I know that it can feel absolutely overwhelming, but there is a new story that you can tell yourself as well. It's a choice. And telling yourself a different story with a better ending is a decision that you have to make because only you can make it. Here's something to consider as you traverse the struggles and the strife of your life. Remember that yesterday, my friend, yesterday is history. Tomorrow, tomorrow is a mystery, but you have this moment. I remember that every day when I get up. Today is a gift. And at this moment, you have a decision to make. Just like my neurosurgeon said, Tim, live. Tim, make today count. That is what I am doing, and that's what you can do as well, regardless of what you're going through. Now, I know you're fully aware of this, and it's not a cliche, but I want to tell you that 10% of life is what happens to you. You've heard that. 90% of life is how you respond to the 10% that happens to you. And those are the only two areas of life. There's only two areas of life, what you can control and what you cannot control. And when you focus on what you can control, you become powerful. And when you ignore what you can't control, you know what you become? You become free. You become absolutely free. That means you have to give 100% to the 10%. And when you decide to master moments, you can be, which means you can live with authenticity because that's what authenticity is. It's just being. It's just living. It's just enjoying every moment that you have as your true self. Here's what I want you to hear, and it's not like friendly or fun. You're going to die someday. We're all going to die someday. I have become profoundly aware of that reality in the last couple of years that life is short. So I am not living my life as like a passenger on a train because I was not meant for mediocrity just to go along with the status quo, and neither were you. So here's my encouragement. Never settle. 
Never settle. Work hard. Work hard today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Work hard today. Work hard on relationships. Work hard at being. Work hard on creating moments because moments create memories. My friends, use each day, each day as if it were your last. I know that sounds trite. It's not trite. It's wisdom. Use each day if it were your last because you just don't know when your time will end. You don't know when your time's going to end. That perspective with a sense of purpose helps prevent you from simply seeking attention or sympathy for what's going wrong. You don't need the attention and sympathy of others because that doesn't fix anything. That doesn't change anything. But that perspective will help you wake up each and every day. It'll help you face suffering because life is suffering. It'll help you face suffering head on every day. And it will help you take control of the life that you have been given. That's what I'm trying to do. Some days I am absolutely kicking ass. And some days my ass is being kicked. But I'm making progress. And I'm learning how to be a square peg in a world full of round holes. I'm learning that it's okay that I don't have to fit the mold. I can just be Tim. That's my truth. That's the story I'm telling myself every morning, sometimes multiple times a day. And you can. You can do that too. Don't let your story suck the life out of you, friends. Use your story as a strategy for the best life you have to live. As always, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate your time. I'll talk to you again soon.